preach a, a one-off message today. Uh, something that's been stirring in my heart, uh, and I hope and I pray that it will minister to you and speak to you. So this is a kind of a standalone one-off message. Okay, let's put up the picture there of Matthew Perry. Now, many of you will know who this is. This is Matthew Perry, who was the actor who played Chandler in the cult 90s comedy Friends. Now, a couple of weeks ago, he published his memoirs, which were called Friends, Lovers, and the Big Terrible Thing. That's an up-to-date photo of him. He's looking a bit rough, but um, bless him. Um, and in his book, in his book, he details 14 stints in rehab, 15 stomach surgeries, and more than 60 attempts at detox. But in the same book, he also talks about a supernatural encounter that he had. After hitting rock bottom, Perry describes reaching out to God in desperation. And this is what he says in his book. God, please help me, I whispered. Show me that you are here. God, please help me. As I kneeled, the light slowly began to get bigger and bigger until it was so big that it encompassed the entire room. What was happening? Why was I starting to feel better? I started to cry. I mean, really started to cry. That shoulder-shaking, kind of uncontrollable weeping. I wasn't crying because I was sad. I was crying because for the first time in my life, I felt okay. I felt safe, taken care of. Decades of struggling with God and wrestling with life and sadness was all being washed away like a river of pain gone into oblivion. This is Matthew Perry's own words. I had been in the presence of God. I was certain of it. And this time I had prayed for the right thing, help. Matthew Perry says, after that encounter, he stayed sober for two years based solely on that moment. God had shown me a sliver of what life could be. He saved me that day and for all my days, no matter what. He had turned me into a seeker, not only of sobriety and truth, but also of him. Matthew Perry had this encounter with God, and it changed him forever. Now, as a Christian, or if you're not a believer, whatever, where you may be on your journey of faith, you will have a framework for how you see God. You will have a framework for your relationship with God that will be based on a number of things. That framework for your relationship with God will be based on your personality. It will be based on your history and your experience of God up to this point. And it will be based on your understanding of God 
your understanding of who God is and what he was like. And there will be different characteristics of God that you are comfortable with. And there will be other characteristics of God that you're slightly unsure about or or things that you question or you don't really touch. My challenge to us today is to experience more of the eternal Jesus. To deliberately and proactively seek after tangible encounters with Jesus in the here and now. Now the word experience means an occurrence which leaves an impression on someone. My challenge to us is, do we seek after Jesus in our own lives, in our own walk with him, so that we might be changed? Do we regularly seek after him so as he, the Lord Jesus, would leave an impression upon us? You see, here's my thinking. In the West, in the West, we are comfortable with the humanity of Jesus. We think about Jesus and we think, well, Jesus was fully God. Tick. Yes, he was. Emmanuel, God with us. Remember that at Christmas time. Jesus was fully man too. And we like that. We can get our heads around that. Yes, Jesus understands my pain and suffering. Yes, Jesus was tempted and did not sin. Jesus can relate to me in all of the life's ups and downs, betrayal of friends. Well, Jesus understood that. Eating, drinking, just the life things for 33 years, Jesus walked on this earth. So we get, yeah, I I can relate to Jesus and his humanity. But Jesus being fully God, oh, I don't grasp that so well. I don't understand that so well. I I don't know how to experience that so well. Because Jesus was fully God. He was eternal. He was holy. He was majestic, awesome. One who is blazing with fire. One who is a warrior. the, the, The commander of God's army. One who is the Lord of lords and king of kings. You see, I believe the Bible invites us to experience the eternal Jesus here and now in this world. You don't have to wait until heaven. And this is how I've been wrestling with it and thinking it over the last few weeks. I believe many of us have a half-painted Jesus. We have a Jesus who is all humanity but not much awe and power and splendor and majesty. It's like this canvas. We have the outline of Jesus, but not much color, not much depth. So what we're going to do is this. We're going to look at scripture, and we're going to look at some characters in the Old Testament and in the New Testament who experience the eternal Jesus on this earth. And we're going to look at the impact it had on them. And then at the end, we're going to ask the question, how do we experience more of Jesus in our day-to-day lives? So let's have a little journey through scripture. 
We're going to turn to Genesis chapter 28. It'll come up on the screen. And we're going to look at Jacob. Jacob had an incredible vision of heaven, of angels going up and down the stairway to heaven. Let's read verses 10 to 17. Jacob left Beersheba and set out for Haran. When he reached a certain place, he stopped for the night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones there, he put it under his head and he lay down to sleep. He had a dream in which he saw a stairway resting on the earth with its top reaching to heaven and the angels of God were ascending on it. There above it stood the Lord, and he said, I am the Lord, the God of your father, Abraham, the God of Isaac. I will give you and your descendants the land on which you are lying. Your descendants will be like the dust of the earth, and you will spread out to the west and to the east, to the north and to the south. All peoples on earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. I am with you and will watch over you wherever you go, and I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised. When Jacob awoke from his sleep, he thought, surely the Lord is in this place, and I was not aware of it. He was afraid and said, how awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. So Jacob has this dream, this vision, this this insight to heaven. And the Lord then speaks clearly to Jacob. And he calls that place Bethel, which means the house of God, a holy place. So we're going to go through a number of scriptures. We haven't got time to really unpack and and, and kind of go deeper into each of these. But you just want you to see there was an encounter with God. There was an encounter with the eternal God. There was a change that took place in Jacob. There was the voice of God that he heard. And he said, this place is holy. Let's move on to Ezekiel. Ezekiel chapter 1 and verse 1. In my 30th year, in the fourth month, on the fifth day, while I was among the exiles by the Kiba River, the heavens were opened and I saw visions of God. You could read the rest of the chapter 1. I'm just going to pick up from verse 25. Then there came a voice from above the vault over their heads as they stood with lowered wings. Above the vault over their heads was what looked like a throne of lapsus lazuli, And high above on the throne was a figure like that of a man. I saw that from what appeared to be his waist up, he looked like glowing metal, as if full of fire. And that from there he looked like fire. And brilliant light surrounded him. Like the appearance of a rainbow in the clouds on a rainy day, so was the radiance around him. This was the appearance of the likeness of the glory of the Lord. When I saw it, I fell face down and I heard the voice of one speaking. Ezekiel has this vision of heaven. He has a vision of the eternal Lord Jesus in heaven, in all his splendor and majesty. He fell down on his face, and the Lord 
spoke clearly to Ezekiel. Chapter 2, we haven't got time to read it. Begins with, the Lord said to me. And he commissioned Ezekiel to go to Israel and to speak to Israel, this unbelieving, rebellious nation. Ezekiel encounters the eternal Lord Jesus. I just want to touch on another one from Ezekiel. It's not on the screen, but this one so stirred me um, that I'm just going to read a couple of verses from it. Ezekiel chapter 8, and just from verse 2. Then I looked, and behold, a form that had the appearance of a man. Below what appeared to be his waist was fire, and above his waist was something like the appearance of brightness, like gleaming metal. He put out the form of a hand, and he took me by the lock of my hand, and the Spirit lifted me up between earth and heaven, and brought me in visions of God to Jerusalem, to the entrance of the gateway, to the inner court that faces north, where was the seat of the image of the jealous, which provokes to jealousy. And behold, the glory of the God of Israel was there like the vision that I saw in the valley. I mean, what I'm trying to just open your mind to is an area that you might not be familiar with because there is lots of scripture that talks about the experience that mortal men and women like Ab have with the eternal God. These are examples. Isaiah, let's move on to Isaiah chapter 6. Some of you will know this one well. Isaiah chapter 6. This is Isaiah. He has a vision of God, the glory and the majesty of God. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and lifted and exalted, seating on a throne. And the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were a seraphim, each with six wings. With two wings, they covered their faces. With two, they covered their feet. And with two, they were flying. And they were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and the threshold shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. Woe to me, I cried. I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongues from the altar. With it, he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? And I said, here am I, send me. Isaiah has this vision of God, the glory and the majesty of God. He falls face down. Isaiah hears the glory of God, the voice of God speak to him. And his response is, here I am, send me. We could go on. There are many more examples in the Old Testament, but let's go to the New Testament. Let's go to Luke chapter 9. Luke chapter 9 is the one time in the Gospels where we get a glimpse of the eternal Jesus. About eight days after Jesus said that, he took Peter, John, and James with him, and he went up onto a mountain to pray. As he was praying, the appearance of his face changed. And his clothes became as bright as a flash of lightning. 
Two men, Moses and Elijah, appeared in glorious splendor talking with Jesus. They spoke about his departure, which he was about to bring to fulfillment at Jerusalem. Peter and his companions were very sleepy, but when they became fully awake, they saw his glory and the two men standing with him. As the men were leaving Jesus, Peter said to him, Master, it's good for us to be here. Let us put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. He didn't know what he was saying. While he was speaking, a cloud appeared and covered them. They were afraid as they entered the cloud. A voice came from the cloud saying, this is my son, whom I have chosen. Listen to him. When the voice had spoken, they found that Jesus was alone. The disciples kept this to themselves and did not tell anyone at that time what they had seen. That's the one time we see a glimpse of the eternal Jesus in the humanity of the Gospels. We see a little bit of Jesus' glory. And in that context, God speaks in an audible voice and says, This is my son, whom I love in whom I am well pleased. They heard the voice of God in the context of his glory, in the context of the veil being torn back and a glimpse of the eternal Jesus. One more example from scripture. Last book of the Bible, Revelation. John, the same John who wrote the letter 1 John that we've just been studying over the last seven weeks. A book full of theology, all about truth, all about how we behave, all about loving one another. This is what happened when John encountered the eternal Jesus. I, John, your brother and companion in suffering and kingdom and patient endurance that are ours in Jesus, was on the Isle of Patmos because of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. On the Lord's day, I was in the spirit and I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet, which said, write on a scroll what you see and send it to the seven churches, to Ephesus, to Simra, to Pegamum, Thyatra, I should have practiced the names. I always mess up on the names. Sardis, Phila, Delaphi, and Laodicea. I turned around to see the voice that was speaking to me. And when I turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. And among the lampstands was someone like a son of man, dressed in a robe, reaching down to his feet and with a golden sash around his chest. The hair on his head was white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were like blazing fire. His feet were like bronze glowing in a furnace, and his voice was like the sound of rushing waters. In his right hand, he held seven stars. And Coming out of his mouth was a sharp, double-edged sword. His face was like the sun shining in all its brilliance. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. Then he placed his right hand on me and said, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I was dead, and now look, I am alive forever and ever. And I hold the keys of death and Hades. Right therefore what you have seen, what is now, and what will take place later. John has this vision of the eternal Jesus. 
He saw the glory of God in a very real and tangible way. He fell at his feet. He heard the voice of God and he wrote down what Jesus had showed him. Now those examples in scripture, all of those examples, Jacob, Ezekiel, Isaiah, Peter, James, and John are on the Mount of Transfiguration, and John on the Isle of Patmos. All of them have an experience of the eternal God. They are all marked by something that just they encounter the majesty and the power and the splendor of God. So what I want to look at is three characteristics Three characteristics of experiencing more of Jesus. Number one, there's a tangible sense of the presence of God. You see, each of those examples, no, none of them could deny that they had met with God. There was something they could feel, they could touch, they could see, they could hear that their senses were alive to the living God. And I want to help us with something on this. It is not wrong to experience Jesus through our emotions and through our senses. Now, we have to get this right because sometimes it can become one extreme or the other. We sometimes can feel that we have to experience Jesus. We have to experience the eternal God. We have to have a, a moment, an encounter with the Lord. That's unhelpful. That's not how things are. But equally unhelpful is us shutting off our emotions, us shutting off our senses, and not being open to experience the eternal God, the one who is living, the one whose, whose earth, who, whose glory fills the earth. Jesus wants to reveal himself to us this side of heaven. We have to understand this. Heaven, we see Jesus face to face. We experience his glory and his wonder in perfection. There is no pain. There is no suffering. There is nothing that pollutes the glorious, the marvelous, the wonderful experience of meeting my Lord and Savior face to face. But that's not to say that on this earth, we get glimpses. We get moments. There'll be seasons when we can experience the eternal Lord Jesus. When we can know in our hearts, we can know our body has touched and has experienced the glory of God. I don't want us to be afraid to go after more of Jesus and to experience more of him. Now, some of you, that will take you out of your comfort zone because for you to, to push into experiencing Jesus in your emotions and with your heart, mind, and body, that takes you out of your comfort zone because your comfort zone is the intellectual. Your comfort zone is the humanity of Jesus. And that's good and right and proper, but I'm just trying to open up 
your mind and open up your thinking to the reality that Jesus also wants to meet you with his glory. He wants you to touch and see that he is good. He wants you to see something of the majesty, the splendor, the glory, the light, the power of the Lord Jesus. So there's three things. The first thing, if we experience more of Jesus, that is likely to lead to tangible moments when we, when we feel the presence of God. They're tangible moments when our body, heart, mind, spirit just connects with the living God. Like that example from Matthew Perry. Like that example from his testimony. The second thing is that if we experience more of Jesus, we will hear the voice of God. Now, the primary way that God speaks is through his word. Nothing that God would speak ever contradicts his word. But if we experience more of Jesus, we will hear the voice of God. Every example in the scriptures that we've looked at, when Ezekiel, when Isaiah, when John experienced the eternal God, they heard the voice of God. They, they, they clearly heard guidance and clarity from God. Now, God speaks in many different ways. God can speak through the audible voice. God can speak through the still, quiet voice. God can speak through circumstances. God can speak through one another. God can speak through dreams and visions and pictures and just the very peace of the Holy Spirit. And so you ask, well, Mark, how? How, how do I hear God? How do I hear God? And particularly, I would say, for those choices where God gives a lot of freedom. You see, there's, there's very clear things that we don't need to ask what God is saying because it says in his word. But there are other areas of our life where God gives freedom. Like, for example, well, what job am I to do? Or what's my calling? Often there's quite a broad road that the Lord gives us. And we're then to seek his voice and seek his guidance and seek his counsel as to what exactly that is. And the way that I want us to think is that if we experience more of the Lord Jesus, more of the eternal Jesus, we will then hear the voice of God. The two go hand in hand. That desire to know Jesus better, that desire to spend time with Jesus, that desire to commune in your heart and mind with the Lord Jesus will lead to you hearing his voice more clearly. You will hear his promptings. You will hear his challenges. You will hear his guidance. So that's the second thing. The third thing, uh, the characteristic of experiencing more of Jesus is that it leads to change and it leads to action. You see, if you experience Jesus more, if, if Jesus reveals himself, if the eternal, glorious, majestic Jesus, if you experience him more, you will hear his voice and you will change how you live. Isaiah met with the living God. What was his response? Here am I, send me. John had this vision of the eternal Jesus. What did he then do? 
He wrote down in the book of Revelation everything that he saw. The book of Revelation that we are still reading today. Ezekiel met tangibly the eternal Jesus. What did he then do? He went, and you can read the book, he went and then prophesied to Israel in a very challenging time. When Israel didn't want to hear the voice of the prophet, when Israel was deliberately sinning and falling far from God, you see, the, the, the encounter that Ezekiel had, the voice that he heard, helped him, it galvanized him to go and speak and prophesy and say what needed to be said. Even Peter, James, and John, although they weren't perfect, the transfiguration, the, the moment that they saw the curtain pull back, the eternal Jesus, it helped them to continue to follow Jesus in the dark days that were ahead, even to suffering and even to death and even to being martyred for their faith. You see, this is the nub of it, I think. This is the nub of it. I think some of us struggle when we hear about a tangible encounter with God and hearing the voice of God. Because it conjures up within us thoughts that, well, people will meet God, encounter God, hear the voice of God, but then nothing changes in their life. They don't live any different. They talk about these amazing encounters. They talk about these amazing times of worship. They talk about these amazing prayer times. They talk about hearing the voice of God, and yet nothing changes. Oh, it's just a, a nice time with God. It's just a little loving with God. It's just a little touchy-feely time with God. But nothing changes. That's not how it should be. That's not how God wants it to be because the Lord Jesus wants us to tangibly connect with him, meet with him, meet with the living God, hear the voice of God, and then go and be changed. That it changes how we live, that it changes our lives, that it changes how we are at work, that it changes how we are as husbands and wives, that it changes how we are as friends, that it changes how we are as students. Why does this change? It changes because we've met with the living God, we've heard his voice, and then it leads to change. So how do we do this? And what does it look like? Well, I'll be honest, I wouldn't say I've got all the answers. I feel like I'm preaching you a message that is something that I am learning, something I'm growing in, something that the Lord is teaching me, something that I, I want to delve into more and more. How do we do this? I believe it's about engaging the whole person the whole of Mark in prayer with God. That I would engage my mind, my heart, and my whole being in prayer, in engagement with the living God. Let's put one more verse up. John 14 and verse 21. I've been meditating on this. This scripture, John 14, 21, it's Jesus talking. He says, whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my father. 
and I too will love them. And then look at this last part of verse 21. And show myself to them. And manifest myself to them. It's like a promise. A promise that if we love God, if we show devotion to him, he will show more of himself to us. He he will pull back the curtain. He will say, Mark, come. I want to show you more. He will say, Mark, I I want you to to seek me and find me. He, He will reveal more and more of himself. The Bible says God rewards those who seek him. And do you know the really helpful little picture I have for that scripture? God rewards those who seek him. One that's helped me for years. I used to think, oh, does that mean that, that, that God's hiding in a really difficult place? Like you're playing hide and seek and you can't find him. Why is God saying uh, he rewards those who seek him? Why, why have we got to make any effort to go after him? The image I have in my head, which has helped me so much over the years, is it's like a little kid playing hide and seek with their dad. And, and the little kid, they, the dad says to the little kid, right, I'm going to count to 10 and, and I want you to come and then find me. And the kid counts to 10 and the dad is literally, if the little kid's here counting, one, two, three, four, five, the dad is literally like, like this. In other words, he's so easy to find. He's so easy to find, but it does take a little effort for us to seek him. The littlest of effort, God will reward. He's not stuck in some cupboard upstairs that you'll never find. No, no, he's just round the pillar. He's so close, but he says he rewards those who seek him. There's a reward for making that little effort. There's a reward for seeking after God. And that's really the heart of what I'm trying to say. Jesus wants us to experience him more. I don't know about you, but but I desire more encounters with the eternal Jesus that changed my life. I want to see more of his eternal glory. There's lots that I don't understand. There's lots of questions that I have. But I don't want that to put me off seeking after him. Because I want to meet with the living God, even in this earth, and with the the complexities and and the mess that we find ourselves in, I still want to experience the living God. I still want to hear his voice, and I want to go away changed. I want an encounter with the living Jesus, the eternal Jesus in my life to change me and to change my behavior. So that's really the heart of this message. The heart of what I'm ruminating over, I'm meditating over, I'm thinking about. To experience more of the eternal Majestic, warrior Jesus, the one who is light, the one who is fire, the one who is holy, the one who is perfect, the one of whom there is no sin that is touching him or comes close to him.
I want to experience more. I want the more that tangible relationship with the eternal Jesus.